Good morning, guys. Welcome to the Love Well Podcast. Black can't talk this morning. <laughs> welcome to the Love Well Podcast, and uh, it's good to have you guys here with us this week. Uh, we are we're kind of live across the internet, and uh, the audio for this podcast will go out on uh, Friday. And uh, just want to encourage you guys to subscribe. Uh, at danielmrose.com to to love well. You can catch everything that I'm writing, recording, all that good stuff that drops in your inbox when you subscribe there for free. Um, Today, we are continuing our conversation, uh, Real Talk, Real People, with my friend Tyler St. Clair. And uh, Tyler is a pastor, writer, uh, theologian, I would say. And uh, you would he say. Work, work, I would say, absolutely, I would say that. Others He's, would say different, but. <laughs> well, they're wrong. Well, yeah. so, so how about that? Um, he's, uh, he's, does, he's written a ton for uh, Gospel Coalition on uh, Church in Hard Places, working with Acts 29 with Churches in Hard Places. And uh, so I would, I would encourage you to give Tyler a follow on Twitter, uh, at Tyler P. Saint, and uh, you can keep up with everything that he's writing, thinking. Uh, he's posted some really good, challenging stuff there. And uh, so we are, we're continuing these conversations uh, that, that we started a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I would encourage you to, to catch up with, with those, with my buddy, Will Medley, and my other friend, Damon Moore, and this week with Tyler St. Clair. So Tyler, where, where, t- give us, give us a little bit of your background. Where did you grow up? Um, all that, you know, Kind of, kind of give us a little thumbnail sketch of that. Yeah, um, super long story short. Born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, northwest side of Detroit. Um, my story is very similar to many people that um, live in my context. Many people that um, we're trying to reach in our ministry grew up single parent home. Um, <laughs> I always laugh when people describe Detroit now because Detroit now is. <sighs> It's bad in many ways, but I mean, I remember late 80s, early 90s, crack era Detroit. Um, mm. So that's where I, when I grew up. So now it's kind of like, you know, that didn't, you know, that what I see now doesn't scare me. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I grew up single parent home, um, primarily by my mom, but my grandmother and grandparents were a big influence on, on my life and kind of helped raise, raise me. Uh, um, grew up in the church, but the church wasn't in me. Mm. I um, what I saw presented to me as Christianity was um, undesirable at best. Um, there was no um, so growing up in a, a single parent home. Follow me, I'm talking circles. Um, You're good, man. You're good. <laughs> growing up in a single parent home, I, I uh, longed to see uh, strength and masculinity, and mm-hmm. I did not see that in my church. So at the age of thirteen. Um, I almost became a Muslim, almost um, was lured away by the nation of Islam just because I saw strength, masculinity, um, presence in their community, presence in the, in the home. Um, what I saw in my church was just a very um, sterile, weak, anemic uh, form of uh, Christianity. And, um, you know, as, as a young black man and, and observing things, um, growing, growing up in the church and walking in and seeing this huge, massive um white blonde uh blue-eyed jesus 
um, that looked weak and effeminate, I wanted nothing to do with Christianity. So mm-hmm. at the age of 13, I said, you know, I'm just going to go to church um, because I'm terrified of my grandmother. Um, still am terrified <laughs> of my grandmother. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go to church. But once I, and I said this at 13, once I hit 18, I'm done with church. Done with church, mm-hmm. done with Jesus, done with God, because this is, this, this is nothing. Um, so turned 18, went, went and got high, went and got a tattoo, and said, all right, I'm done with church. I'm done with Jesus. Um, fast forward a little bit. I had a Went away to college, had a prodigal son experience, came to the end of myself, realized that the things that I was pursuing and chasing uh, just left me wanting more. Um, now, I, in retrospect, I realized I was just, just severe depression. Um, I didn't know what it was then at 18. Um, came home and a friend of mine, uh, a friend that I ran the streets with and hung out with, Say, man, I got saved. And I said, oh, okay, what, what does that mean? What, what does that mean you got saved? Um, he said, no, you know, I c- committed my life to Jesus. And I said, oh, word? Okay, cool. You start going to church and you're religious. And I said, no, I like surrendered to Jesus. And mm. what was interesting was he was the first person that I ever seen the before and after. He was the first yeah. person that I ever seen like true, crazy, miraculous, spirit transformation by the gospel right um because i knew him before and i saw him after and he wasn't like one of those um people that i knew that were quote religious um he actually you know his life was different but he still came around he still loved me he still was my friend so i just i just had no category for this so he invited me to a men's bible study or something that his church was doing and i'm like all right cool i'll go check it out you know i'm thinking it's going to be similar to my church um, right. And it was, I was blown away. It was dudes, 18, 19, 20, mid-20s, um, early 30s, talking about their faith, uh, masculine dudes, like real dudes. Um, yeah. And I just, just was blown away um, that loved Jesus and loved God, but weren't soft. Uh, I right. thought you had to, I thought it was either or. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so uh, I, I remember the pastor who preached that sermon has since went on to be with the Lord, Pastor mm. Reg- Reggie Lane um godly man uh served in the city for many years um he preached the gospel and i heard it clear as a bell i wept like a baby surrendered my life to christ at 19 and that was 2001 um and then a few years a few months after that because i am an extreme personality um i told my pastor i still call the ministry um and the, the pastor's pastor, the, the words were well we don't know if you're a Christian yet, so let's give that some time. <laughs> uh, my reputation, my reputation, um, preceded itself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, and then they said, you know, you you're not a. Uh, we don't know if you're a Christian yet or whatever. And then um, they said, okay, now this is what you need to do. You need to go away to college, and you need to do this. And basically, gave me a six year roadmap to uh, become a minister of the gospel. Okay. And my and my thought was again, this is just Tyler fresh off the streets. Right. Like my friends will be dead by then. Right. Like the people that I want to see come to know and follow Jesus were, you know, they they're gonna wait six years. <laughs> right. So I just had a I had a massive, you know, just like I didn't understand that logic, you know. And, and I'm not knocking by no means am I knocking seminary, um, but I just didn't see that as a viable option for a 19 year old who one who was 
already in college and already accrued a lot of debt <laughs> to stop what I'm doing now. <laughs> stop this degree that I didn't, you know, spent forty thousand dollars in and going in a whole right. different direction. Right, 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 right. So at the at the age of nineteen, I just threw myself in head first and just began to man. I, I would I would preach on corners. I would preach in the homeless shelter. I would preach in the prison. Uh, I, wherever I wherever I could preach, you know, I would just I didn't know the word like that. I didn't know the gospel. Right, <laughs> I, right. I, I had Moses in the lion's den, and I had uh, <laughs> I had Daniel part in the Red Sea. Uh, but by God's grace, by God's grace, I grew grew in my knowledge of the word. Um, right. And uh, yeah, at 19, I, I started, you know, serving, uh, serving the Lord. I knew then that I wanted to quote start a church. I don't know what that looked like at 19, right? But I knew that um, I felt com- compelled to start a church just because of what I had seen in the traditional denominational setting that I grew up in and that I was still in would not allow me to um, just operate in the way that I felt the Lord had gifted me. Yeah. So I knew it at 19. I mean, it was a long journey to get there, but you know, by God's grace, we planted a Cornerstone Church um, yeah. in 2016. And it's, and it's going really well. From what yeah. from what I'm seeing, it's mm-hmm. it's really God is God is at work. Yeah. So that's so yeah, cool. Man. Praise God! It's His grace, man. Yeah. His grace. I'm Absolutely. Absolutely, dude. I feel that. I feel that every day. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh man. Yeah. So. What? All right. So you've seen, you've been in the city, like you said, kind of that late eighties, that eighties, nineties Detroit, mm-hmm. and now yeah. you've seen, you know, the uh, the, the teens, twenties Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. So what? What was it like? What kind of what was your experience living through the two Detroits? Um, mm-hmm. How did? How has have you seen things, um, not necessarily, I mean, I, I think I think in some sense we, we can kind of maybe wrap our minds around some of the changes, but for you as a, as, a, as a black man living in Detroit, how have you, what are the changes that you have experienced over the last 25 or 30 years of, of living yeah. there? Yeah, man, um, back in the day growing up, it was, so I, I use the example of Devil's Night. Um, if you don't know what Devil's Night is, just do a quick Google. Devil's Night Detroit. Um, Dude, as a kid growing up in the northern suburbs, mm-hmm. I, I, that was like Devil's Night was like one of the scariest things that that, Man, that we yeah. even you know we were like oh god you know we we were afraid yeah. of that. So yeah. yeah, as a kid, as a kid, I used to think it was literally the devil starting fires. The right, way, the way they described it. I mean, yeah. Um, from like from like October 29th to like uh, November 1st or 2nd, it would just be fire. People would just set the city on fire. Mm. But uh, so yeah, I remember that. Um, you know, I, re- I was in Detroit um, in 92 with, with Rodney King. There were some riots in Detroit. I also, I can't remember the year. I think it was around the same time. Malice Green. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malice Green was a, a similar situation uh, to Rodney King didn't get as much national national publicity um, because it wasn't videotaped, but it was a man. Miles um, Rain was a black man beaten by the police, beaten to death. And I just I remember riots and yeah, I I, I remember um, drug the, the the crack era was at such a it was it was like you would go out and you'd be playing outside, you just see people on the corners like zombies. You know, right. it, was, it was 
it was it was nuts. Um, I, I had um, several families, loved ones, friends, um, um, strung out on drugs or whatever. So I just remember a being terrified of fire because the city would burn for a week every year. Right. B saying people just absolutely drugs just wipe out their lives um, and fracture relationships. Just the collateral damage of someone who is a drug user. Not only is their life ruined, but everyone who uh, is close to them, life is ruined to some degree. Um, so I just remember seeing that. And um, yeah, I was here, I was here when the, when, um, when the recession was at its worst in 08, 09, 010. Um, and it was just the economic downturn hit us just crazy. Um, yeah. People being put out on the streets. Yeah, I remember all of that. And now fast forward, so now Detroit is a, many areas of Detroit, is actually a desirable place to live. Right. It's just still mind-boggling to me. Um, um, and there's some good, some bad. So I'm not here to, quote, bash um, gentrification. I'm not here to bash right. that. There's there's benefits to it, um, but there is, a um, again, uh, a cause and effect. There's people who've been displaced. Um, people, what's, what's interesting is now certain areas are, are uh, becoming more popular to live in or whatever. So now people in the city are being displaced from the city and they're moving to ring suburbs because they can no longer afford to live in Detroit. Right. right. <laughs> right. It's, it's just, it's insanity. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. To, to see it all, to see it all um, front center, it's interesting. It, it yeah. brings, it brings opportunity for great, great conversations on, um, on mission. How do we approach uh, how do we approach a city that's changing? Um, right. Our intention when we planted Cornerstone Church um, was to be a church for people in our community. And if that's people who've been here 25 years, great. If that's fill in the blank, family that moved from Livonia, Novi, and all of a sudden they're in the city and they want to be a part of a gospel-centered, disciple-making church, you know, praise God. So right. um, it, it presents many uh landmines possibly but also opportunity for for a uh, great gospel advance absolutely mm -hmm. absolutely so as you're as you're watching you know all of all everything's kind of happened in in the country the conversation that's taking place mm -hmm. um you know again the conversation in in, in mate I don't know. Maybe, maybe for the first time, a lot of white people are finally starting to hear. Mm -hmm. You know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, I, I, a couple of weeks ago, when I was talking with Ty, with with my buddy Will. You know, his, you know, he he said, you know, one of the things he keeps asking his friends is, why now? Why now? You know, what's why? Why are you all of a sudden now? Um, but as you're kind of watching all of this take place, what? What what are some of the what are some of the things that um, that you're wanting to to make sure people are are starting to I don't know are starting to hear are starting to mm -hmm. um, to to maybe begin to wrap their minds around um, Yeah, I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, but, it makes yeah, it makes sense. Um, I, I have to give my wife credit uh, for this. Um, I was I didn't even think about it. She said um, her thought was, and I agree with it that many people are, and I hate to use the phrase waking up because then you get into wokeness and all that crap, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. many people's 
their eyes are being opened, I guess that's a safer phrase, yeah. Um, yeah. is because of the virus. Um, mm. Life has slowed down to such a halt. Now, um, people were, they were able to, because this isn't new, you were able to um, somewhat ignore Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, Philando Castillo, um, all, um, Sterling, Walter Scott, um, Jordan, um, Jordan uh, in Ohio, uh, Crawford, um, Tamir Rice, young, a 12-year-old boy playing with a toy gun in Cleveland, Ohio, sniped by police officers in the uh, park. You're able to, and, and these were on, these were on video too, most of them. Right. Um, right. Uh, um, the big fella, uh, the first brother that said, I can't breathe, um, Eric Gardner. Yeah, we we saw this on video, but when when people are still rushing to soccer uh, camp and uh, job mixers and all of this other stuff, I don't know a lot of stuff that suburban people do. Those those are the first two things that popped in my mind. Um, <laughs> um, but soccer is always the first thing. Um, but, Which makes me so sad that soccer is now the thing. It's that's just. It's just hard. I don't know. Yeah. My, my, kids, my kids played soccer. My kids played soccer a couple of years, and they realized that they were out there playing for fun, but these other kids was real. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is their life. But, you know, uh, no sports. Look, look, no sport, Dude, no sports. Right. When have we ever had, like, no, no sports? A lot of the entertainment was gone. So now, um, like, not only has life slowed down, but all of our, a lot of our, all to most of our distractions are gone. So now you're you you can't there's you can't help but um, run from you can't run from seeing a man have a police officer kneel on his neck for almost nine minutes while he's subdued. Right. Um. Um. Aubrey running jogging in the in the park and uh, two vigilantes, you know, k- kill him and it be swept under the rug for a month and a half. Right. Uh, Brian. Anna Taylor, you, you can't avoid these things because the world was at a standstill. You know, I think that's the main reason people's eyes are opening because these videos aren't new. Right. These aren't, these aren't, this isn't, this isn't new. Yeah, um, that, I just that, rattled, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you know, that, my, I give credit to my wife. Um, but, you know, I rattled off six examples, off the, six to seven examples off the top of my head. And if I probably thought, I'd come up with about four or five more. That right. we saw a video. Um, right. So I think that's the main reason life just basically hit pause, and now you're forced to sit and, and really deal with it. You can't avoid it. Right. Um, uh, and uh, what was the second part of your question? I, no, I, I, I think that that was probably yeah, it. I, I, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, and, uh, yeah, go ahead. I say, so, what, so, so, so what has been – Kind of what has been some of your experiences as you've interacted with, um, you know, with, with police in in Detroit and, and elsewhere over the course of your life. Kind of what 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 have you, yeah, what have what have you experienced? Uh, a mixed bag, a mixed bag. Um, I remember when I first started driving. Uh, I started driving at sixteen. This is back in the day when. Kids didn't wait till they were 18, 19 years old to drive. To drive. I started driving at 15, 16. I still don't understand why kids are waiting until they're 18. It boggles my mind, dude. It boggles yeah, my bro. mind. Yeah, bro. 
I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. My mother bought my first car for four hundred dollars. It was the the rustiest hoopty in the world that had a milk crate <laughs> holding up the back seat. But I was on with I was I was I was in my mind I was killing it because I was That's driving. Right. But um That's right. I remember when I, I first started driving, my uncle said, Don't drive in Dearborn. Hmm. And I'm like, Don't drive in that. He said, if you drive down Grand River, stop at Tireman or whatever. I believe Tireman is where we get to Dearborn. He said, don't drive in Dearborn. And because I'm Tyler, as soon as I got in the car, I was like, I want to see what's going on in Dearborn. I got to see what's on the other side yeah, of Tyler. <laughs> what's going on? So I drove, I drove, I was driving down Greenfield. This is the first, my first interaction. Um, driving. Down, I'm 16 years old, driving down uh, Greenfield. As soon as I pass Tyreman, as soon as I hit Dearborn city limits, I get pulled over by a police officer. My first first time being pulled over. And yeah. I, before then, I got the whole talk. Yes, sir. No, sir. Have your wallet out. Have everything. Don't reach for anything. Da, 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 da. So police officer just walks up to the car and I rolled down. It takes me 20 minutes to roll down the window because it was a piece of crap. Uh, so I rolled down the window and he said, what the blank are you doing here? And I said, Excuse me, he said, what the blank are you doing here? Um, and I said, well, you know, I was driving. I made some excuse. I was going somewhere. He said, turn around and head, head the other way. Go back to Detroit. So I, got, so I turned around and 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 and, it, and it, I didn't drive in Dearborn. I was 16. I, I didn't drive in Dearborn again until I was 19 years old. Uh, um, and if and if you if you want to know about the the checkered past of Dearborn, Michigan, um, just, just do a couple Googles and you'll find out. Um, that that very checker pass and their um, former mayor, yeah. Well, and, specifically, in what yeah. in what some people might not might not understand if they don't understand the geography of of Metro Detroit, Dearborn borders Detroit. Oh and, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're going west mm-hmm. out of Detroit, it's almost impossible. Like there's there is no convenient way around Dearborn if you want to go west. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to, mm-hmm. if you want to go, you know, to a, to see, you know, good college athletics at the University of Michigan, you know, you got to go, you got to go west and you got to go through Dearborn to get there. So, you know, good is relative. So I'll let you, I'll let you have that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, back, back, when you, back in the day when you were yeah. 16, 17, I mean, yeah. let's, let's be yeah. honest, man. That's true. Come on. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, uh, so yeah, that was my first experience, and yeah, I, I I'm not going to just go down the laundry list. This will be a ten hour podcast right. if I um went down just a litany of yeah. I, I've I've had good experiences with police officers. Um, mm-hmm. I remember one time, <laughs> um, me and my wife were where were we at? We were like outside in Lansing somewhere, and um, I just it just hit me. I'm getting older. My bladder was about to. Explode. <laughs> so I'm driving, so I get off this exit, and I'm like, oh my, and I just, I didn't realize, I put my foot on the gas pedal, right? and I'm just like, and she's like, Tyler, slow down, I'm like about to blow, yeah. Um, yeah, 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 and the police officer pulled me over, white guy, he comes to the car, he was like, is everything okay, and I said, man, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I gotta use the bathroom so bad, uh, he, didn't ask, he didn't ask me for my driver's registration, I guess he could just see it on my face. That, right, the panic, the old yeah. man panic. He yeah. was like, he's like, just slow down, go to this gas station up there, just slow down. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I've had good, I don't, I've had good, I, A, I've had good interactions with police officers. B, I'm not a, I'm not a defund the police person. 
Uh, I've met Will several times. Um, he's a solid dude. I know good police officers. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not anti-police. I don't hate the police. I have to say that because no matter what you, whenever you're critical of the police, people draw conclusions. Right. Um, but that being said, I've had um, poor experiences with police officers. I've been called boy. Um, I, I've been, I've had my car strip searched on the road. Um, I got pulled over in Midland when I was 19 years old. I went to school in Midland and I would get pulled over every other week, sometimes once or twice a week, um, just because I don't fit up there. It's like 97% black. I went to Northwood University. Like, what are you doing up here? Right. So I got pulled over because my license plate was missing a screw. I got pulled over because I'm not supposed to have anything hanging from the mirror. I got pulled over because of my back tire pressure was low. What else? I got pulled over because I, he said I was swerving, which I wasn't. Um, and one time I, I just asked the man, I said, why do y'all, and I, I began to note, recognize the same officer. It's a little small town. Right, right. And I, and I asked him, I said, man, why, why y'all pull me over? So I said, because sooner or later we're going to catch you doing something wrong. I said, well, all right, well, there's that. So um, I got pulled over in Midland, um, and this is what I decided to come home. And it actually, what's crazy, it actually plays a, a major role in me coming to know Jesus, uh, which is mm. crazy. But I got pulled over, and um, one car pulls behind me, another car pulls in front of me, and one car pulls beside me. So three police cars. I'm like, uh, I usually get two because I'm I'm six three. Um, I'm a heavyweight. I'm knocking on 300, right. knocking on three bills. I'm a large man. So I usually get two police cars. I'm used to that. Um, but this, this probably be also hard to picture, but, but I had a head full of hair. I had I, <laughs> Alan, again, this was 19 years old. Alan Iverson cornrows down to my, uh, down to my uh, shoulders. I fit every description. So they, they pulled me over and all the police officers, it was like, it was, it was like, it was like something you see in the military. All of them got out the car at the same time, and they walked to the car with their guns drawn, and I'm terrified. I'm terrified. Um, don't say anything. Open my door. Snatch me out of the car. Take the front end, back end off my bump. They're looking for drugs. Right. Um, looking for drugs. Um, so they cuff me on the side of the road. I'm just in the street, cuffed. Um, terrified. Right? Like, not knowing what to do, anything. Throw me in the back seat. And take me to the, um, take me to the, uh, whatchamacallit, take me to the uh, jail. Yeah. So, and all of this was because I had a, quote, suspended license. Um, so I get to the jail, and they, I look in, look in the, uh, the main room, the drunk tank, where they keep everybody in there. Right, and right. This is about an hour and a half away. This is an hour and away from Detroit, hour and a half away. Skinheads, Aryan dudes. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to either get my behind whoop or I'm going to be fighting all night. So I get. I guess they realized like I didn't want that. They didn't want that problem. So this black dude in there with all them. So they give me my own cell. They give me give me some little small Mickey Mouse pajama type onesie to put on. So I put this little onesie on and I lay on I lay on the ground. And I'm just looking up in the air and I, and that was the first time I remember praying. Mm. I said, um, God, I think your name is Jesus. Um, I, I don't know. Can you do something to help me, please? Um, in Jesus' name, I think. Amen. That was the that was the feeb this feeble prayer, um, just, just out of dire right. dire uh, straits or whatever. But I remember that was that was the moment my mind my gears began to turn spiritually. Um, and after that, I got saved. I came home and I got saved about a month after that. Um, okay. So God, you know, God, 
God and his sovereignty. But yeah, I've had extremely, I've had very dangerous, I've had close calls with police. I had a close call with a police officer um, about a month and a half ago. He came to my car, his hand on his gun, and just began to tug on my back door. I, I, I said, sir, you know, and I'm trying to talk calmly. And I look up and I make eye contact with him. He's about 24 or 25 years old, young guy, five, seven, five, nine at the most, small guy, 150 pounds. And I look up and I see he turned white as a sheep. He's, he's afraid. He's terrified. I, I guess he didn't realize what he was getting into when he walked up to my car and he saw, wow, this is a, this is a huge man. So he begins to tug on my back door, not saying anything with his hand on his gun. And I'm like, uh, what's going on? And then he walks away, comes, he walks away to the car, then just gives me a ticket, throws it in my car, and just walks. And then never, he never said a word to me this whole time. So um, that if 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 I would have reacted wrong, you know what I'm saying, or if or if he would have just you know flipped out more, that could have been a fatal situation. Right. So um, what did he write you a ticket for? He said I was on my cell phone while I was driving. Which was not true. My cell phone was on my seat the whole time. Yeah. Um, I guess that's just an easy thing that you can say. Right, 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 right. So, but, um, so what do you say, you know, um, one of the, one of the things that, that we, that I, that I hear, um, or that you see on, on social media a lot as this conversation begins to crop up is, um, you know, you know, the, the idea that uh, you know that just just because you're a six foot three, nearly three hundred pound black man, that you mm-hmm. are basically a walking weapon in our society, mm-hmm. um, and and you have people who will say that's just not true. That's just not true. When when you hear somebody kind of say, "Listen, that's that, that that's just not a that's just not reality." Mm-hmm. What, how do you respond to that? How do you like uh, because yeah yeah mm-hmm. um, I asked them to explain the disproportionate amount of black and brown men that are incarcerated. Hmm. I asked them to explain how is it that black men are convicted four to six times uh, more than white men. I mean it's these this is. This is true. This is, I mean, it's, it's, you know, and especially for people who quote, love the stats, explain that to me. Right. How, how, how does, um, black, black people are about 12 to 13% of the population. And so black men are around six to 7% of the population, but we make up 40 to 45% of the prison population. How does that make sense? How does it make sense? Right. right. So, um, yeah, yeah. It, the numbers the numbers tell a tale, don't they? Yeah, it's it's it just doesn't make any sense. Right. So, um, and for Christians, people who profess Christ, um, the interesting thing is we believe in total depravity, but we don't believe that um, systems can be um, there can't be quote systematic racism. Okay, wait a minute. You affirm that people are depraved, correct? You depray, you, you you confirm that Romans three, there's none good, there's none not one, but you automatically give this person in this position the benefit of the doubt just because they wear a uniform. 
wait, what? <laughs> right. You can't, you can't, you can't have it both ways. You cannot have it both ways. You can't, you can't look at a justice system that allowed a man to be uh, Ahmad Arbery hunt, hunted down and killed by two vigilantes, not officers, and it'd be swept under the rug well, for let, a month and a half. And let's be and honest, then, it was yeah. three guys because one of them, one of them was in a trail car videotaping the whole thing. And why? Yeah, and he deserves he deserves double the jail time just for being an idiot. Yep. Um, <laughs> I mean, they thought they were on safari. Yeah, I mean, fam, what is what is that? So, so you you trust this justice system that allowed that to be swept under the rug? Breonna Taylor was in her home sleep, and Louis Louisville police came in there, guns fired, letting just letting off all the bullets, and then kind of found out they were in the wrong place, and then the police report was blank. <laughs> you can't tell me to quote trust this justice system that has never. Uh, handed out justice uh equally to people of color yeah yeah so that and, and i think for for guys for guys like you and me um you know because i i you know i'm not a defund the police guy either i mean you know no I've got, not at all i've got family you know my my brother is a police officer my mm-hmm. my closest friend is is a police officer so i, I you know i so my perspective is a little bit different mm-hmm. on on police, right? Um, yeah. But and so you, I, you know, I, I walk that line of okay, I I want to I want to support and love love those guys mm-hmm. and know know I know what they're doing. I know the I know a lot of the good work that they do, mm-hmm. but I also see the system that is. That is broken. That is there, there's there there is something yeah. wrong with this system, and mm-hmm. so two things um, can be true, bro. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Two things can be true. Yeah. Yeah. So so as you're looking at this, how how do you how do you see us taking steps towards towards making things right, towards bringing mm-hmm. justice? Um, you know, to to a system that that is supposed to be justice. Mm-hmm. How do how do you? What are some of the things that you're kind of looking at? Going, yeah, if we could, we need to make some of these kinds of changes. Yeah, I mean, it starts with legislation. Um, it, it starts with it starts with legislation. Well, one is it starts uh, before legislation. It starts with people who are in the majority realizing the error that's happening, opening their eyes. And I think there's a lot of that is happening now. I liken what we're seeing now to what happened when Dr. King uh, was, and, and, and others were beaten on the bridge on Selma. Like that was a moment that after that happened, it was a domino. Um, it was right. the thing. The nation saw innocent people marching, <laughs> pummeled by the police. Um, and after that, you know, legislation happened after that. Um, so, but it was a, it was an outcry for people. It was an outcry from people in the majority. Um, it was King had gotten arrested and beaten um, for about five years before all this happened. <laughs> right, right. But it was it wasn't until Catholic priests got involved. It wasn't until some Protestants got involved. It wasn't until some Jewish rabbis uh, walked with King. Uh, and then, you know, then things start to happen. So it takes people in the majority coming to, to 
trying to lend their voice and leverage leverage their leverage their uh, positioning and leverage their uh, privilege. I hate to use that word, but you know, it is it is what it is. Yeah. But use it use it and leverage it for minorities, for illegal immigrants, for um, women who have been misused in sex trafficking. All, all of those people. It takes people in the majority seeing it, speaking to it, and then uh, after that, it takes legislation. I I, I believe that. Police officers who a um, use obsess obsessive force and b the dudes that are with them they they should be prosecuted like like my man who killed uh, um, uh, George Floyd they said he had I don't remember the number but it was over ten twelve complaints something like that right it was an it was it was an ins- why is he still employed right. You know, it, 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 it just, it makes no sense. Um, and the people who are there along with them, um, I mean, you're saying it a little more, but I, I think it would, you would see a lot more uh, accountability if their partner's like, hey, whoa, 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 hey, 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 hey. <laughs> because if you kill this joker or if you maim this joker, I'm getting arrested too. You know, right. we're we, we all going down, so you need to right. knock it off. You right. can be a racist, just don't kill this fool. Um <laughs> Yeah, I call that the uh, I call that the the in my mind that's the the, the few good men situation, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, like at the end of the movie when they they get convicted of unbecoming unbecoming of a marine, and mm-hmm. and the guy the, the little white guy's like, what what did we do wrong? We did nothing wrong, and and his you know his officers, well, we are supposed to fight for guys like you know like him, and we didn't. And mm-hmm. that's where we, that's where we failed. Yeah. And, you know, those, the, like you said, the guys that are standing around that are watching what those three guys are supposed to protect and serve. They're supposed to fight for George yeah. Floyd and they mm-hmm. didn't. And yeah. so, yeah. you know, they, they failed, they failed just as hard. Yeah. And it, what, 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 what makes me sad is, um, all of this happened, and it wasn't until there was this enormous um, outcry, marching, looting, you know. And I'm not, I'm not. Please don't think I'm um, uh, suggesting that looting is the answer. I think that's the dumbest thing in the world. <laughs> Let's burn down our communities. Um, uh, but it wasn't until all of that, then the police officers get arrested. Then, right. then the, the the main perpetrator get arrested. I think it was like two or three days later. Then the other ones get arrested. Then after right. more more outcry, okay, let's move it from third degree murder to second degree murder. You know what is? Why can't it be swift? Um, there's swift action if if for uh, a black and brown man who goes out and commits a crime, the action's swift. Right. There is not. It's not. It's not delayed. Why? Why is there delayed? Uh, action and delayed justice uh, just because someone wears a uniform right? when they're clearly in the wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, you know, I, cause I, yeah, I watch, I watch all of this. Um, and, and yeah, there's so, so many things that make no sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we we have to figure out how do we how do we bring justice to to this to the system? 
Um, yeah. Because because injustice is is everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and I know, and I know some of our brothers, and, I, and you know, you being in in you know in the Acts twenty nine world, and me mm-hmm. being in the Presbyterian Church world, we're both rolling around in these reformed circles. Oh yeah. And you know, you hear people say, you know, in, in our theological circles, well, the answer is the gospel. We just we got it. We got got to change hearts, man. We got to mm-hmm. change hearts. And I'm all for I'm all They're for shut up on abortion. You know, <laughs> exactly. shut up on abortion. Right, exact, exactly. Then, then shut up on human trafficking. Exactly. It's just that. Exactly. <laughs> Again, I'm not. I mean, there's there's guys with more degrees than a thermometer, and there's guys who are way more educated than me. And guys, I mean, we. I'm not arguing critical race theory. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not getting lost in the weeds. Right. Scripture is clear. We should care about abortion because it's murder. We should care about human trafficking because it's devaluing image bearers of, of, of God. We should care about um, um, the foreigner and the immigrant because scripture says we should care for them and love them. We should care about injustice based on race because there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. We're all one in Christ. Mm-hmm. We, should, we should care about sexism and when complementarianism is used to bully and in oppress. In women we should care about these things because they're theological issues you know uh right. yeah man these dudes they they yeah they get they get smarter than the gospel they get smarter than the word yep. um and yeah you know i i, I don't get it scripture is clear yeah scripture is clear stop coming up with all these theories stop coming up with all these new ways to say we don't want to talk about race just because it makes you uncomfortable it's just because yeah. it's gonna tick off some of your people. That's all it is, honestly. Oh it's yeah, it's been happening. It's been happening. It's been happening. I mean, Whitfield and Edwards and these dudes—they um, use their theology to explain why slavery was okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And and, and the thing is, there's no denying that. I mean, so yeah. what do you? You know, I, I guess you know as we're. I, I want to respect your time, I, and I know we're kind of coming to the end of it, brother. Um, mm-hmm. I know you got, I know you got a lot on your plate. And um, if if you could, if you could leave, if there's kind of, I guess one one thing that it, that if, if, if white folks could kind of wrap their minds around what what is what is that one thing? What is that one thing that if they walk, if they listen to this whole podcast? And they walk away, and they just walk out with with one thing. What what is that thing that you wish you wish they would just get? Christian, non Christian, doesn't matter. Just just majority culture people just walking, yeah. walking away with one with one thing. Um, I would I would say it begins first with listening. Um, the scripture I've just been going to over and over again, probably because I'm preaching through the Book of James, so my entire mind is is everything. Thing is in the <laughs> I'm picking my dinner choices and and everything based on the book of James right now because I'm preaching through it and I love it. Uh, uh, but James one nineteen, be slow to speak, quick to hear, slow to anger. Um, the the problem is, um, and it's a result of the the looting is just a result of. I mean, I think it was King. I know it was Dr. King. I can't remember exactly how he said it because he said it more elo- eloquently than I want to say it, but 
the the looting is the voice of the unheard trying to be heard mm. something along those lines um not condoning looting um, right. or writing and things of that nature but people have been quietly airing their grievances people have been quietly airing their frustrations people of color literally since people came over here uh on boats in chained right and um yes a lot has happened yes we've made progress but when you look at the disproportionate uh amount of people of color that live in poverty um uh, the, uh, the stat i saw and stat i heard uh is uh, blacks have one tenth of the uh wealth of whites when you look mm. at home ownership when you look at um the education system. So it's not just black and brown people, but um, class as well. It, when, when you look at how disproportionately uh, poor white people um, and poor black people and poor, poor Latinos are educated, that, that, that affects your whole life. When you look at the, just how disproportionate things still are in 2020, um, when somebody, uh, and, and not only that, but when someone expresses their personal experiences to you and you begin began to become a theological uh, egghead, or if you're a non-believer, you just uh, uh, become flippant or, right. yeah, man, when, when, when people feel like they're not heard, they resort to extreme measures, yeah. uh, or they shut down and go into apathy. So I, I would say start, start with just listening. Um, start with being a good listener. Start with um, listening to people's personal experiences and listening to uh, people tell you what has been happening for several hundred years. Right. Um, again, a lot has changed. Um, when my grandmother, my grandmother couldn't vote when she had her children. You know, she she right. can vote now, and and things have changed. And you know, uh, initially when my grandmother went to purchase her first house, they gave her a set of places that she can move into. My grandmother worked in Dearborn and was one of the first black butchers in Dearborn and my grandfather drove a truck and they made really good money but guess where they could live on the northwest side of Detroit they couldn't they couldn't buy that house in Dearborn even though it was close to her job you know right. so even though that you know I don't have the same experiences and the same struggles that my grandmother and my grandfather had it is still uh, uh, a lot of road to cover yeah. so I, I would say just start by listening start by um, listening well and not just t grabbing the party line it could be the conservative party line the fox news swag or grabbing what's on msnbc and say well this is this because i saw it on tv we've, we've become so lazy that we literally will see something on the internet and build our whole, whole world view on that it's right. crazy right. to me yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah it's crazy that yeah we, we see a talking head or a pundit um and we grab our entire worldview and, and begin to view people uh, of a different race and ethnicity or, or lower class people just because they have a black or brown person on mm -hmm. Fox News. And well, yeah, because Candace Owens said such and such and such and such, or Vody Bauckham said such and such and such, such. So it has to be true because it came from a black person. Right. Uh, those, they ain't the spokesman for black people. And neither am I, right. honestly. Uh, right. Um, so do your homework and uh, Grow in your understanding of um, of culture, class, and um, the matters of justice. Yeah, so. cool. Well, um, I want to 
there's 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 a few folks watching. Just want to see if uh, anybody has any questions. Um, so we'll we'll give you guys. I'm gonna kind of do the wrap up bit here and see if anybody drops a question uh, in the in the chat. And uh, so, uh, yeah, Tyler, I cannot thank you enough um, for being on. I know I know these days are uh, just emotional exhausting mm -hmm. um, and yeah. physically exhausting and spiritually exhausting and so uh, dude I, I do not take it lightly that that you gave me this gave me this time and I, I really appreciate you trusting your story with us and um, thank you thank you my so pleasure, much yeah, yeah, um, so so guys I would just say again uh, you know if you thought this conversation was was interesting helpful enlightening uh, I encourage you to subscribe to uh, Love Well at DanielMRose.com and uh, give give that a give that a subscription and you can get everything dropped right in your inbox. Uh, you don't have to wait for wait for stuff. Um, you can continue the conversation with me on Twitter. You can follow me at Daniel M Rose. Uh, the archive of this message will be at YouTube.com/slash Daniel Rose, and uh, so feel free to to share that out. And uh, definitely give my man Tyler a follow on Twitter at Tyler P. Saint. And, uh, you know, he's, he's posting great stuff. He's writing great stuff. And so it's, it's definitely, definitely worth your time. Um, let's see. Uh, whoa, all of a sudden my screen just went crazy. <laughs> let's see what's happening here. Um, all right. I don't know what happened. Um, Wow. Uh, Tyler, everything's huge. <laughs> everything zoomed on me. All right. Um, so, guys, I all of a sudden I can't see. Let's see. Uh, here, here we go. Um, yeah. All right. We just have a lot of kind words for you, man. Um, this is uh, my friend Claire. Uh, she said, so enlightening. Thanks for sharing your stories. Uh, my friend Shaheen, so blessed to hear this. James is her favorite book, so you got that going for you. It's in my top three now, too. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> um, Laura says, thanks for your time and vulnerability. And uh, my friend Jill just wanted to say thank you to Tyler uh, and uh, helping us for helping us seek, seek truth and to be better. So, guys... Tyler, again, thank you, thank man. Thank you all. Really appreciate you. And uh, yeah, until next week, love well, my friends. Bye.